to the Krypton Podcast, your podcast for all things related to sci-fi's Superman prequel series, Krypton. I'm Michelle, and with me always is Lacey. Hey, guys. So, you know, sounding like a broken record, this week was amazing, and so much stuff happened. So much stuff. Um, So let's start off with our usual question. Uh, Lacey, did you like it? I did like it. I had to do some Googling in, well, I couldn't watch it live, so I actually watched it this morning. And I actually had to, like, pause it and Google some stuff in it, which was a new thing for me and kind of exciting. <laughs> but I think that I, well, I kind of felt dumb for not knowing it, but I guess I'm just not hardcore enough. But I also kind of respect the show for just, like, throwing some stuff out there and expecting me to know what it is. So clearly it respects the audience. And, yeah, just so much stuff again. I mean, we made a list of things to talk about this week, and there's like 15 things on it, and I don't know how they managed to fit so much stuff in an hour. I know. I always feel like, because I usually watch the episode more than once, um, and so like I was like when I watched it the second time, I was like clicking through it on my computer, and I'm like, oh, this happened like only 30 minutes into the show, like because <laughs> just so much stuff happens. I was like, oh, I thought that happened towards the end, or you know, like there was still another. 20 minutes of stuff that went on. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about what you had to Google, which was, so the very first thing we see is two weeks later pops up, or two weeks earlier pops up on the screen. So we, A, got a timeline for our events, which is apparently all of this stuff has taken place within two weeks. Which seems insane to me. Like, I mean. That just seems to be like a very short amount of time to like have an alien being infiltrate your state religion, stage a coup. Or multiple coups, I guess, depending on where you stand in this scenario. That's just like, that's a lot to happen in two weeks. If, if prior to two weeks ago, the society was largely stable. I'm also kind of feeling like, man, that is a stressful two weeks. Like, that's a lot on your plate. Like, if you're Seg, like, I mean, he, yeah. I hope they have, like, some form of Xanax on Krypton. Because that's just, like, anxiety-inducing. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, are people even, like, going to work or doing regular <laughs> life things? Or are they just sort of... Well, I mean, that also answers my question, I suppose. Yeah, uh, that also answers my question, I suppose, of, like, oh, Adam hasn't, you know, reported to duty at the Science Guild yet. I mean, maybe perhaps they weren't expecting him right away since it's only been a couple of days. So... <laughs> Oh, you know what? I forgot that he didn't even do that. But I guess, again, collapse of religion and government in your society. We'll get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. So we get we get this little uh, this little timeline. So it was, it's two weeks earlier. And so something that they that was weird was in that pilot episode, you know, Adam, Adam, like, disappears and then comes back later. And that never happens again. So I, I actually kind of wondered if they were going to readdress that because he's like, I'm running out of time and he disappears. And then he's back and it's just like, cool. And I was like, oh, maybe that was just like a pilot thing, you know, because, you know, sometimes things happen in the pilot that they don't ever do again. Um, well, whenever you have things that deal with time travel, like the sort of internal consistency about how closely that show is going to follow any internal logic when it comes to time travel is always up in the air for a while. You know, it's like the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Rule, which, by the way, is a movie I love. So excited for the third one. Well, <laughs> Um but, like, they have this sort of ongoing loop about, like, they're like, remember a trash can. And then the trash can falls and saves them from whoever's, like, chasing them. But 
there's no, I think it's not like a bootstrap, bootstrap paradox or something. There's no like, there's no point at which it, that is the first point. So I was like, right. I just figured it was some weird like loop thing that had to complete or whatever. But no, apparently it was on purpose. <laughs> because Adam ends up in the, what did you call it? <laughs> it looks like a cosmic greyhound station. <laughs> like it's just like it's sort of you know like when Harry Potter kind of dies from it in the Harry Potter movie. Oh, spoiler alert! Um, and he goes to that like white version of King's Cross. Oh yeah, or like it's like that. It's yes, it remind it reminded me of the hallway um, that we see like Seg and Nissa walk down a lot. Just white, not... I think that hallway is, like, yellow or orange or something. And I was like, well, this this might be a repurposed set, which is fine. Um, I will freely own that when that happened, I was like, I have no idea what is going on. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I guess he teleported back home or something real quick. Or, I don't know, like, some logical solution. Not He has now transferred himself into this large empty room I've never seen before. <laughs> it was was quite jarring so what was funny about that was we see him there and then we hear him we hear a voice talking to him and we don't know who the voice is until later on when we go back to this flashback or you google it or you google it yes uh but then but the second time we come to this flashback adam identifies that he's speaking to sardoth and then you hear also alana's voice so, for those of you who, like us, have, like, no comic book knowledge, um, when the show started, I actually Googled Adam Strange, because I had never heard of him, and I was like, who is this, and what's his story? And because I'm one of those people that needs to know all of the informations. Uh, so, I already, I ha- I knew who they were, and where he was. So, he gets transported back to Ron, or Ran, I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce that, it's spelled R-A-N-N. It's anyone's guess. Uh, so he gets transported. I think I think Sean says ran. But um, I can guarantee you someone on the internet will either know or have a strong opinion. Or have a strong opinion and let <laughs> us know what it is. So ran, Ron, whatever it is. Sardoth is um, the scientist that created the Zeta Beam. And in, com- in the comic canon, he creates the Zeta Beam and he brings Adam to Ran from Earth. Because uh, he in Wait, the big, is, is ran another planet. Ran is another planet. Yes. Okay. Um, and oh, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about this. I think it's like two planets away from Earth, or two planets away from Krypton. It's close. So two planets away from Earth is like Jupiter. Right. Well, in in the comic, <laughs> in the comic world, it's yeah, ran. Um. And uh, the reason, so so in the beginning of the the narrative, it's it's an accident, you know, it's this like happy accident. He made this thing, and Adam just happens upon Ran. Uh, but what they find out later is that the Ranians um, are all sterile, and they have not reproduced in many years. And so Sardoth actually brought Adam because the Ranians are very much like humans in makeup, in genetic makeup. And so he brought Adam there so that he could, uh, I guess, procreate, mate, whatever, with Alana, who is Sardoth's daughter, in hopes that there would they would produce a child, which in the comics they do, and her name is Aaliyah. Um, so yeah, so that's who those people are. So 
Surprise! Surprise! Yay! So, um, people who are fans of Adam or Adam Strange or have read his comics probably were totally freaking out to to see these two characters because they are heavily, you know, involved in in Adam's backstory and his, you know, all of, you know, Alana and Adam go on many adventures together in the comics, and um, she's she's a pretty big, you know, she's his wife in the comics. So, uh, yeah. So we didn't get we didn't get a a visualization of them. We only heard their voice. Um, and we heard that they're both quite disappointed with Adam and his behaviors. Um, so uh, that should be... And I'm very intrigued to explore that. Because knowing that she is his wife in some version of his future, uh, I'm intrigued to see what went down between them. And, um, you know, if, if the child was created or any of that stuff. Should be would be interesting to find out moving forward. Um so yeah, that was pretty cool. It was a like, pretty cool like moment for you know fans who have been waiting for that, um, and for fans who had who had thought perhaps there was a chance he wasn't actually Adam Strange, but was Booster Gold pretending to be Adam Strange. He's not. <laughs> He's just Adam Strange, which is fine with me. Um, not that I I don't know much about Booster Gold. Like I said, not I don't have that much comic book knowledge, but. I'm told he's kind of like Rip Hunter, and if he's anything like the Rip Hunter on Legends of Tomorrow, you can keep that, and I'll keep that estranged. <laughs> but I did, well, this was like another thing I felt like, not that I felt, I didn't necessarily feel bad for Adam, because it's clear, like, clearly he stole the Zeta Beam, and, you know, they're, obviously he disappointed them in some way, um... But, you know, he, again, here he is being like, no, this is, the, like, the thing I'm meant to do. I'm meant to save Superman. I have to go. And, like, you know, Sardis says to him, like, you know, no, oh, Superman. We're going to send somebody more qualified to go do this. And he's like, no, 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 please just give me a chance. So later on in the episode when he does sort of save the day, I was like, yay, Adam had a good moment. <laughs> well, you know what I kind of like about it is that, um, we see that, well, not just that Adam has messed up again, which is kind of like becoming his shtick a little bit. And it's like, <laughs> oh, sad. He just keeps screwing up. But I kind of like that he is a little bit more of, I don't know what word I want to use here. And I, I scroll down like loose cannon. I mean, and it's sort of like a pseudo villain, but not really. He's just not the figure that we thought he was at the beginning of the show. At the beginning of the show, He's sort of positioned as, like, this all-knowing hero figure who's here to save the day, who's from the future, who knows all this stuff. And it turns out, yeah, he's from the future, but he, like, stole the technology he used to get here. Like, he has actually, like, no idea what's going on. Like, he keeps effing up. Like, he's kind of a mess. And he's really upset like I think that's really interesting because it gives him more of a three-dimensional feel than I think he's had up until this point but I also love the idea that he is like so obsessed and I would love to know why this is I have a feeling it probably happens to a lot of people who come into regular contact with Superman but <laughs> he wants to be a superhero like so badly like he's so obsessed with the idea of like being a hero himself that it's like in a different kind of show that would make him eventually go crazy and be a villain. But I don't get that kind of vibe from it here, at least not yet. Who knows with this show, but like, it's, it's sad that he's so like, I want to be, you know, 
I, he wants to be a superhero so badly. He wants like the Justice League to notice him. He wants somebody to see the stuff he's doing. Like I think it's so interesting that he is not a who I thought he was, or B who like he's not the person that he wants to be either. Yeah, and you you know what I think it, it is too is so Adam's always sort of been the voice of the audience. Um, in, in the sense that Adam has sort of comes into the situation sort of with the same knowledge that we do. You know, Superman is this amazing hero and, you know, we understand how great Superman is and why he needs to be saved. And, um, you know, he doesn't really know much about Krypton. We don't really know much about Krypton. He just kind of shows up. And so Adam has always sort of been, I think, a reflection of the audience. Um, and I feel like now he's even more so because he's, where in the beginning you were like, you know, he's telling them like, oh, I'm a, I'm a hero, you know, where I come from, blah, 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 blah. But now we realize that he's more the everyman character where, mm -hmm. you know, he's more relatable in the sense of like wanting something greater for yourself. And like, you know, he's more like the audience in terms of I'm sure everybody who's a, a fan of superheroes at some point has been like, I really want to be a superhero, too. <laughs> like, You know, um. It's like when you go watch, you know, a movie and you're like, I want to be Batman. I want to do that. Like, that's so cool, you know? Um, and so I feel like he's he's a lot more relatable even more now because I feel like you can sort of, like, see that in yourself of, like, you know, you try to do something good and it doesn't necessarily always work out the way you think it's going to. And, um, yeah. I just think it's such a nice sort of, because the first few episodes, I think, because we were just getting to know everybody else, they didn't really have like a lot of time to do too much with him. So I think it's really nice that it turns out he does have, you know, a plot and an, and an arc of his own separate from saving Seg and everybody. So yay. I'm excited. I'm super team Adam. I really like Sean Sipos. So I'm excited for Adam to have this, this fun storyline. We got a lot of it. I hope we get some of it next week because there wasn't any Adam in the previews. But I have a feeling that's just because they didn't want to spoil yeah. the, I think so the who, what, I, I when, where. Not have him after all of this. I think he can't just take like an entire week off, especially which we will get to later with how the episode ends. I feel like they can't just like let us sit with that for two weeks. But I mean, also know. considering next week it will be the penultimate episode. So that would mean we wouldn't see him again until the finale. Yeah, that seems, that seems not right. But probably they couldn't have put him in the trailer without putting something about what happens at the end of the trailer. Right. And that is probably, like, a spoiler. But the other thing that it just occurred to me is that part of the reason I like this is that it kind of gives Adam his own separate storylines and things going on for when we hopefully, where's my renewal, please, sci-fi, like, go into a second season. Like, it won't have to just be him constantly talking about Superman, even though that's still going to be important, obviously, right. to, like, get his own stuff to do. Right. And, you know, it's funny, you mentioned, like, the, you know, his, like, sort of obsession with Superman, and uh, I thought it was so funny when, when he runs into Kem, and he's like, I don't want to hear about your, like, fictional, <laughs> this fictional <laughs> child that has never been born yet, hasn't even been born yet, isn't even an idea, like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Um... So, yeah, besides Adam, we got a lot of Ken this week, which was really nice. I've kind of missed him. I feel like we haven't really seen him much. And he's such a great character. 
because he's such a like normal regular well I use normal here relatively speaking but he's just like a a regular person he's not in one of these big like important families he's not trying to like dispense justice or bring about a theocracy or anything he's just like I am in a 10 bar and live my life like a normal person and I like that you know like they sort of show a little bit of that relationship that Adam has created with them because you know when he first sees him he's just like oh this you again you know like I don't want to be involved in this and then he kind of softens and he's like all right fine you know like so you you get the you get the idea that yes it's only been two weeks but they have formed some sort of a bond and he's like, all right, let me try to help you. Um, so I like that. And uh, I like that he's really just trying to, like, find Ona the whole episode. Like, he's just like, I just want to get her away from this crazy thing. And, you know, he's obviously feels some responsibility because he's the one who brought her to him in the first place. And now he's like a crazy monster. Oops. Right, right. And now he's like, oh, my God, I got to get her away from him. Um, but he also manages to, I mean, he gets, like, this really important piece of information that he brings back to Seg and the crew, which is, you know, he runs into Sevi, one of the other, um, whatever they are, priestesses, Rao priestesses. And she tells him that every night the, the voice plugs into the Genesis chamber. The Genesis chamber is where they keep the, the babies. So I'm, I have a, a weird question about the Genesis chamber. Okay. So do you, do they make the embryo and then it just like hangs out there until you want it? And then it starts growing? See, these are also questions that I have. Or are they, like, little babies? Like, wait, I'm just confused as to how this or works. Or like, you know, like, in the Matrix, where the people, like, live in a pod forever. Right. Until, like, you're like, okay, they can come out now. Like, do they just sort of come? There aren't a lot of children in this city. So, like, do they just kind of, like, come out as teens? Or... I have many questions. Yeah. Number one, because... <laughs> Um, I need to know, I need to know if, like, the voice, I'm just use the voice and Brainiac kind of interchangeably here, because I guess that is sort of where we're at with them, but I need to know if he's, like, literally killing babies, <laughs> or if he's just, I don't know, like, making the babies a little bit tired for a while until he kills them. I need to know where we are in this process, number one. Number two, I need to know when... Because this episode had so many references to Nissa talking about her and Zeg's, like, future child. Which, fine, I ship it. I'm, into, I'm sure they'd have a great-looking kid. Like, yay, future Zeg. That's baby Jor-El in there. <laughs> I mean, it could be Jor-El in there. But, like, okay, so... Or whatever Kara's father's name is. What's his name? Zor-El. They gotta really just work on the... Gonna work on the naming in the house. Can you imagine? That must be really difficult. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna sidetrack us for a second. But can you imagine being in that house, right? And your names are Zor and Jor. I mean, like, we've gotta like work on like. And mom's like calling you down the hallway. I mean, I really feel like I would constantly be like, "Are you calling me or the other one?" We just like have I don't know Brian (laughs) something easy. But but back to back to potential. Jor or Zor or other child. I think they actually even told us what the... Did they tell Corvex. us? Corvex. Oh, like, okay, so this kid, like, does the kid... Is is the kid in an embryo somewhere that is just floating around? Is he okay? <laughs> and how... Like, they're supposed to bind to each other, but I don't think they've had a ceremony yet, even though they've, like, mixed their DNA to make a baby. 
when does that happen? Because, okay, this is, like, super obsessed with their babies somewhere in the Genesis chamber doing whatever the Genesis chamber does. So is there a Deb and Lyda baby since they're supposed to be binding in the Genesis chamber somewhere and Lyda's just like, whatevs? I'm very confused. Or does that not happen until later in the binding process? I just have, I have many questions. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Because, you know, right, like Seg and Nissa do it, they they go get that they're like blood taken, like the second that it's like decided that they're going to bind together to go like see what their child's going to be. So obviously in that moment, the Genesis chamber creates their little embryo because like you said, Nissa still talking about, talks about this embryo. I was going to make a drinking game. Drink every time Nissa mentions the embryo. And, uh, (laughs) um, and like, so obviously like immediately it gets created. And then however that process works is how that process works. So at some point, I can't remember it was the first episode or the second episode, Lyda mentions that her binding to Dev has been scheduled. So obviously it's been like decided that they're going to bind. So did like they go do the blood prick also? Yeah. And do they have an embryo waiting? Or yeah, I mean, because she makes it sound like it's the next day. Like she's like, oh, our binding is scheduled for like tomorrow. Or whatever. Because then Sagan Nissa's is ske- is gonna get scheduled too. And then that's when they have that whole like that whole thing with Darren about he wants to join the science guild and you wear like the guild sigil, not be a vex. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was like supposed to be them like going to their binding ceremony like the next day, but then like all this stuff goes down. So yeah, no, I I was like questioning that too, because one of my things last week was um you know, does this child exist because, you know, would Lyda feel some, you know, guilt about Dev and end up producing that child regardless of his quote-unquote death? Um, So, yeah, like, do they have a kid that exists? And if so, Lyda does not seem the least bit, like, moved or concerned about said embryo in any way. Theoretically, there there is a possibility that that embryo is Drew. Right. Like, wouldn't he, I don't know. <laughs> it, again, I feel like this is probably one of those things we're not supposed to think about so intently, but like they made such a big deal about Nissa mentioning it so many times. Well, and considering that Lyda's actual son is standing in the room, it it only makes sense that we would question that. You know, because he makes he makes you know, when when Jaina asks him who his father is, he makes the point of saying he died in the battle for Candor. Which you could, at this point, up until this point, assume that that is Dev. So, like, all of the pieces are there for this potential child to exist and it to be Druzod. Oh, wait, I didn't even think of that, but you are totally right. Like, died in the battle for Kandor. Like, yeah, technically, you know, that could be Dev. Right. So, like, even he doesn't say, like, hey, am I hanging, like, am I in the chamber right now? You know, like, even, so that was kind of, like, a weird thing to me, and I wonder if they just, if it's done on purpose, or maybe they just kind of didn't realize that we would, we would sit here and, and, you know, line this all out like that. I know that the Zods are not, like, a particularly, like, you know, maternal kind of family, but it, it is a little weird to me that she wouldn't mention it, but I have to say... The one, one of the things I really did not like about this episode is I think they wrote Lyda kind of weirdly through the whole thing. Um, 
one thing in particular that I really did not like um, is that, and I didn't like it because up until this point, the show hasn't really done it, but I really had a problem with them making Lyda so openly catty towards Nyssa. Mm, yeah. Like, I get that she's like probably weirdly jealous about Seg and the, and that they're supposed to be binding, but like, I mean, Nissa did do her best to, like, save her life. She's helped them. Like, she almost got murdered by her own dad. And, like, Lida just for whatever reason can't even show her, like, any grace about it. She just, like, it was when she called her princess and she was so snotty about it. And I was like, what is the point of this? Like, the show has never done anything like that before, which is why it stuck out to me so much. And the other part of me was like, girl, why are you not, like, doing any of this eye-rolling and, like, stuff at Seg, who, you know, is the one to cho- who want- the one who chose to go back and get Nyssa, who clearly likes her, like... Yeah. Why is he getting none of this, like, princess? So I just, I really dislike that, because I think Light is better than that. Well, I do think... No, I think, though, that the, the princess comment they make when they're walking in the snow, I think that's directed at Seg. Because he says to Nyssa, she's talking to me, and this is like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Because he makes a comment about, like... Like, diffuse it, but I'll go with mm. that. But before that, when they're in the skimmer, and, like... Well, first, she doesn't even want her to come along. And, you know, Nissa, of course, plays into it because she's like, well, you know, I wouldn't want to leave me by myself kind of thing. And, you know, so when they're all in the skimmer together, it's, like, oh, super awkward. When, but, like, you know, Light is super snarky with her, and she's like, well, bindings aren't going to matter now. Like, you know, Nissa's just saying, like, oh, this reminds me of whatever, and she's like, you know, all the parties that we used to go to, and we should go to a party when all of this is done, and she's just like, there's not going to be parties anymore. This is over, and bindings aren't going to matter, and I, it was, like, so, yeah, like you said, it was just, like, so catty, and I'm like, oh, that's not a good look, Lida. Like, really not. Like, I get that she, like, doesn't really know what to do right now and probably is under a lot of stress with everything else that's going on, but, like, it just seems like such a... It feels like the show punching down a little bit. Like, you know, when in in doubt, like, have the the women, like, be mean to each other about a boy. Right. I mean, I also also think, too, there is that element of, like, okay, her son has just shown up. And so now, you know, he tells her oh, my father died, died, right? And, you know, from all of that they've been told, she knows that Seg ends up having, you know, a grandson who gets sent to Earth and all of that. So in her head, of course, she's probably like, it's, this father can't be Seg. So I guess there's a lot of that going on, too. doesn't shut up about this. Right, and so, like, Nissa, like, continually being like, but our baby, but our baby, is is probably, like, this super trigger of, like, her having to deal with the fact that this man she had hoped she was going to have a future with, she probably doesn't. And, like, she's not really sure how to reconcile that. Um, So, and that's sort of the, like, the little bit of a pass that I give her for it, because it's like, you know, she's standing there with her actual child, and this is talking about her child with Seg. And so in her head, she's probably wondering and thinking like, okay, like she knows about that Jorel exists because, you know, uh, Drew has told her that that was his best friend. And so she knows that they have children that are not each other's. So I guess I can like kind of see why she's so testy. Um, but I also think a part of it was done so that when they do find Dev, who, yay, is still alive. Who cares if it doesn't make any sense? 
I mean, yes, <laughs> I am very excited that Devin's still alive because I love him. Yeah, that you know she there went is literally zero way that he should still be alive, like at all. And I even thought about this in the way of like, well, what if the like laser gun cauterized his like falling off arm and it was okay and he didn't bleed out? He still would have frozen to death. So I, what, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Fine. Just gonna hand wave it because I like him, but he should not be alive. Well, the the thing too is, you know, so he has that like connection to Brainiac, the little thing in his head, and mm-hmm. he does say that you know Brainiac has shown him like all of his knowledge and given him all of his like I don't know if he says he's given him his power, but Brainiac knows the you know the key to eternal life, and so it's possible that that is what keeps him alive. That thing in his head. That's kind of how, how I thought about it. I was like, yeah, I was like, that thing in his head, it's connected to Brainiac. That's why he's still alive. But like, I liked all the stuff with her and him. And I think that part of that was part of what this episode was trying to do was separate and show, because then we have all those really nice moments with Nyssa and Seg, which made me be like, oh, I kind of like them together. Um, as much as I like Lyda and Seg together, I also like, um, we, we talk about this ad nauseum. I like everybody with everybody, but like, I really like Seg and Nissa together also. And they had some really nice moments, you know, where she says to him, like, well, you saved my life and you saved, you may have saved our child and now you're going to try to save the planet and, you know, and, uh, so they have their, and I liked, you know, when the opportunity is presented for Darren to be handed over as collateral you know, Seg respects Nissa enough to say, well, it's not my decision, it's hers. You know, and he checks with her first. He doesn't just, like, unilaterally make a decision to do something. And so I feel like this episode was trying to show, like, really show the depth of the other two relationships. You know, like, with Lyda sitting there and talking to Dev. And, you know, she's very, like, you know, emotional over him being half dead and and all of that. You know what's really sad is I spent a good amount of the time he was laying there with his very conspicuously blinking missing arm being like, is he going to get a metal arm like Bucky? (laughs) Oh, I think I tweeted out. I was like, so does he get a Skywalker appendage now? It's like, where's, um, where's Shuri? (laughs) Shuri with her vibranium arm for him. Just curious. I mean, I really am glad that he's not, I really am glad that he's not dead because I feel like there's still a tremendous amount we don't know about him. And also just because I think that the the four square between all of them is much better than the triangle between Seg and the two women. So yay on that front. Also, he's too nice to die. Yeah. There's still a part of me that feels like by the end of the season, he might die for good, which would make me sad. But I, I feel like I'm I'm leaning into him being Drew's father. Mm. Oh gosh, yes, I forgot. I, yeah, because that means he would have to die. Right. Okay, wait. Here's another question that I have. <laughs> These, are, I, I don't know. Watching, watching the episode at a time that I normally don't watch it has apparently made me like come up with many things that I need to think about. So I'm interested in in the in the timing of everything. So we look at like we know that in in the I'm making air quotes here like correct time like timeline like Brainiac takes Candor and some stuff happens some stuff happens some stuff happens the planet blows up right. like what happens in the gap between 
does it take Brainiac an extremely long time to take Candor? I mean, I guess like shrinking a city is probably not like instantaneous because that's a lot of, that's at least a generation between Candor being taken and the planet blowing up. But the way that they talk about it sometimes, it sounds like Brainiac's going to take Candor and the planet will immediately explode. No. Well, so what happens, so it's 200 years so what happens is, Drew explains this in the episode when he tells them that the planet's going to explode. He says when Kandor gets taken, it destabilizes Krypton's core. Okay. And so what happens is, over time, this, this the destabilization gets worse and worse and worse. And that's what Jor-El is warning them about when it blows up. So And he sends Kal-El people, away. people don't. Most people just assume that this, hey, this crazy alien came and stole one of our cities. That super sucks, but life goes on. And they don't know that the planet is basically disintegrating beneath them. Right. Right. It's something that they don't, they don't realize happens until later on. Like, they okay. don't know immediately that that is going to cause this, this issue. Okay, because the way yeah. they talk yeah. about it sometimes, I'm like, guys, a bunch of other stuff has to happen before the planet blows up. Yeah, I think in... In and again, I might be incorrect, so someone correct me. But I believe it's Jorel who discovers that the core was destabilized and the planet's going to blow up. So, like, that's not going to happen. That discovery doesn't occur. So, I mean, they know now. So already the timeline has changed because they're aware of this. But in the quote unquote correct timeline, I believe it's Jorel who discovers it in the in the future from this moment. Like adult Jarrell. Oh, but that okay. I can't think too much about the time travel implications. Though. Well, see, this is the see, this is the thing. So, <laughs> so this is the thing, right? Is that now, and you know, when when Adam ends up in the uh, the cosmic bus station, Sardos <laughs> says to him, you know, you took the Zeta beam, and this is a device that has the ability to rip apart space and time. And so, just the very fact that Adam and Drew are even traveling back in time potentially changes the timeline and then the fact that they share this information with seg and Lyda and jaina and kem and whoever else means that now these people have this information earlier than they did in the original timeline and so they've changed the timeline regardless yes and so yeah. Yeah, this gives me a headache. And this actually ties into what I believe is happening at the end, which we can talk about in a few minutes. But, um, yeah, no, I know. It's like a weird, you're kind of like, wait, what? It's like this head-scratching thing that doesn't really, yeah. Yeah. I just... I, I also, I really love, so, like, whenever we've seen the Fortress and these, like, hologram, you know, dead people, they always, like, actually seem like a hologram. Or a computer program. Not and Space Brandon. Not, not Valel. I often forget that Valel is not actually a person. Like, I will be watching and I'm like, until he says something, I'm like, oh, right, right. This is a computer program. Because he doesn't look like a hologram. Like, they don't use their CG money on that, which is fine. Um, but he looks like he, like, he legit looks like he's just a person in the fortress. So, I always forget that he's not real. Which is just, it's just I a just funny love thing. That Space Granddad has attitude. I know. This is like the greatest computer program ever. He has like a personality. <laughs> because like I think of, I think of, um, you know how in Supergirl when she visits her mom sometimes, 
like, and she tries to get the hologram of her mom to, like, act like her mom instead of a hologram. And it's always really sad when she can't. I'm just yeah. like, why doesn't she have space granddad? Right. Space granddad would just handle it. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like, when you, whenever I see um, Allura, right, on Supergirl, it always definitely feels like she like feels a like a computer program. program. The way she talks to her and stuff. And, um... Like she sounds yeah. like a Westworld host most of the time. Right. She's like, that doesn't look like anything to me. Right. Although, again, you know, being that this is worked on by a lot of people who had something to do with Man of Steel, he is very much like the Jor-El hologram in Man of Steel, where that one moves around and definitely seems to be having, like, an interactive conversation, not just, like, I'm a computer program. Not, not like, high-tech theory. Right. I mean, like, he talks to Lois at one point. So... Yeah. Also, can we talk about how the Fortress of Solitude is very much not about solitude these right. days? Like everybody's everyone, there. Like the Fortress of Solitude is the Mary Allen of Krypton. Like, <laughs> everyone knows where it is. I liked that Nissa was like geeking out over it. She's like, "This place actually exists." She was like looking around at everything. She was so excited. Like, I love that she even knew what it was. She's like, "My father's been looking for this place for ages." Ugh, her dad is the worst. Oh, God, he is so the worst. Okay, so let's talk about him for a second. So Adam decides to go to Darren, which I, I, when I saw, like, the promo photos of that, I was like, what is this? I was like, I do not like this. What is happening? I did, why is my Adam talking to this trash bag? <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, you know, Adam's got a job to do, so he's like, all right, you know what, let me, you know, let me go to this dude, because this guy, you know... Maybe he can, maybe he can help me. Um, I like how, like, <laughs> Adam really sort of controls that situation, which I feel like it's funny because Darren, Daron, as he corrects, Daron. as he corrects Adam, um, he's very much used to being in control and in the past, like, four days of his life has lost complete control of everything and is, like, scrambling to get it back. So even in this scene, like, Adam's like, well, I could tell you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you're like, oh, all right. Um, but what kind of just, like, really disturbed me about him is... So Adam tells him, like, what's going what's gonna to go down. Like, he's like, he's going to rip your city, and, like, you guys are going to be bottled up, and you're essentially going to be living in Groundhog Day for eternity. And Darren's response is like, well, at least I'll be alive. I mean, I guess it sort of depends, like, what day is Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> If you're like if you're just gonna live the same day, like I don't know, getting shot at by people, that's probably bad. But I but I was just like, you actually have no problem. Like he's just such a survivor, like a survivalist that yeah, like he literally would ref would prefer to live the same day over and over again and be alive than to actually like have a life. That actually kind of makes sense to me though, because you're right. He is such a survivor, and. Basically, I, I sort of read his, his attitude here as being like, well, as long as I'm alive, like, there is a possibility, like, my situation can improve. Like, things can change. I can get out of this bottle. Like, I can get back into power or whatever, whatever. Like, right, right. but that can't happen if I'm dead. So, I don't know. It's well, like, yeah. Okay. And, and I think he, he probably, because, like, earlier in the episode, he has a conversation with the voice or whatever. It's so weird. I don't know what to call him now. Um, I'm, just, I'm just using the voice and Brainiac, like, yeah. 
crazy. So he has this conversation with the voice who basically says to him, like, don't worry, when I'm done, you'll have, you'll be back, you'll have your power, you'll be back in charge. And so when he hears this from Adam, I think he's still kind of thinking about that. Like, well, yeah, I might be living in Groundhog's Day, but I'm going to be the person who's in charge. So that's all that matters. And it's like, God, you have just really effed up priorities. <laughs> I mean, and he was willing to murder his own kid to get the chance to live Groundhog Day. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. That's rough. That's gross. So the other thing that happens... Okay, so we didn't talk about this yet. So <clears throat> we've been hearing all about, since the basically the show started, Jack Soar, who was cast, and we've been waiting for her to show up. And we meet her, finally. So uh, Drew and Jaina go to her. She's the head of Black Zero. And uh, they go. They go to talk to her to get some get some assistance with their uh, their whatever it is resistance rebellion. They need to she's, borrow the soldiers. I think she's awesome. Oh my gosh! This yeah. show officially has like all the coolest women on TV. And you know what? Like this is maybe like a petty reason to feel like this, but I think part of the reason that I got so irritated about Lida being like so catty towards Nissa earlier in the episode is that. This is not a show that normally, like, has women behave like that. This is a show full of just straight-up ferocious women, like, who don't have time to be petty about crap like this. Like, yeah. they're just the, like, being amazing. Like, I, I just, ferocious was, like, the first adjective I thought of when I when I looked at her, and it kind of applies to all the women on the show. They're just amazing. The casting department is amazing. Because another thing I learned in my Googling is that they gender swapped Jexer on purpose. Um, they made her woman on purpose, which is interesting in so many ways, but not for the least of which reason is that is that they do write these sort of like commanding women so well. I would love to see her and Jaina like fight each other, not for keeps or anything, maybe just for fun because I like both of them and I don't want either of them to die. But I feel <laughs> like that would be really entertaining. Maybe they could just spar. Yeah, practice. I also liked that. You know, Drew sort of, you know, he as as we would expect him to, sort of walks around with this bravado, right? Uh, and he does seem, like, a little genuine, genuinely, like, taken aback by her. Um, you know, he, like, quickly recovers, but, like, you can sense that he definitely feels like a power struggle with her. And so it's nice to see that there's someone that kind of, like, makes him shake in his boots a little bit. Oh, my gosh. The only person that I think is even on her level is Jaina. Oh, yeah. No. And vice versa. Yeah. And I was like, this episode, I was like, Jaina is 100% like the most badass character on this entire show. She's just like, takes, you know, like she just gets it done. She's like, I'm doing it. I've had enough. She takes out like all those uh, like red shard people, like basically by herself. I am really looking forward to getting a little bit more of like her perspective on where all of this stuff yeah. has gone. Well, and I've seen, I feel like we've seen pieces of it, but... I just, I, I would love to know where, where she's at with pretty much all of this. You know what I love about her is, you know, she doesn't seem to, um, she doesn't seem to take anyone at face value. You know, she's always sort of, I think, kind of thinking about what the real goal is and what are you really about and is what you're saying or doing, you know, truthful. And, you know, that may not always be the best way to live your life, but, what I like about her is that she doesn't like blind... She, and you can tell from the beginning that she's really not here for, for Drew. She's just kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, she works with him when she needs to, 
But in this episode in particular, I really liked how she kind of like really has his number. And she finesses out of him something I don't think he, I don't think he realizes what he said to her and how it could damn him and, and his alliance that he's made with all of them. And I like that she just like so casually is like, so yeah, I mean, um, you know, so when Krypton blew up, like, like, how did you, how'd you, how'd you get away? I thought, you know, I thought Superman was the only guy who got off. And, you know, he's just like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I wasn't on, I wasn't on Krypton. She's like, oh, well, where, I mean, where, where were you? Like, she says it so, like, conversationally, you know, like, to not accusatory, so that he's just, like, shares. And I love that she's able to do that. Especially because, like, technically, that's her, that's her grandson. So, like, that doesn't seem to super sway her either way. But... I mean, up until, like, a few days ago, she didn't fully trust her daughter, so. Actually, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I'm kind of like, yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And I, and I think she too, you know, he's a time traveler. So she's skeptical of all that. I mean, as, as, as they all should be, you know, how do you know that this person is, is being truthful, you know, because the first time traveler wasn't. So what makes you think this one is being truthful? Um, and I like, I like that she has reached this point with Seg where she finally respects him enough to go to him with the information. Oh, that's actually a really good. I didn't actually think of that, but I guess that means she doesn't hate his guts now, right? Like, <laughs> but I was like, wow. I was like, she, she. I mean, she, I'm, I'm sure she thinks like I can't share this with Lyda because you know Lyda knows that's her son and she's gonna feel some kind of way, and has and has and Lyda has already sort of seemed to kind of like bonded with him and you know kind of follows him or. Uh, and so I, I really liked that, that she goes to Seg and she's like, I have to talk to you about him. I don't think, you know, his motives are, are pure. And, and I don't think he's here to save Krypton. He's here to, to rule it. Which is like, on the nose, that's 100% what's going on. So smart. And what I liked about that too was, as much as I, as you know, when we first got the, this character, I was like, man, I'm like, this is weird. I'm rooting for General Zod. Like, this feels a little strange. Like, he's, like, this super honest person, and I kind of agree with him. Knowing what we know about him, I like that we've, it's just been affirmed that, no, yes, that is who he is. You know? Like, no, he is still the Neil before Zod. You know, maybe he's not quite, like, crazy maniacal the way he is in Man of Steel, as much as I love Man of Steel, the one thing that I, I didn't particularly love about it was how, like, maniacal General Zod is in that movie. Like, he's definitely, like, a crazy lunatic. So for I appreciate... No yeah, for, like, for seemingly no reason. Um, I mean, I guess being stuck in the Phantom Zone for a long time might do that to you. But Maybe Batman would imply that that is the case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, so I kind of like that this one is way more, like, even keeled. He doesn't have that sort of, like, maniacal sense to him. But I also appreciate that the show is kind of like, oh, no, yes, he is the Zod that Adam said he was when he shows up on screen. I and, do like that it got us to doubt it for a little bit, though. Oh, absolutely. 100%. The show always manages to sort of, like, you know, whatever you expect you're going to feel or think is, like, it's the polar opposite. Um and yeah, there was definitely moments where I was like, I kind of, I kind of like him. Like, <laughs> that's not allowed. Well, maybe he's not so bad. I mean, I still like, I love the actor and I like that, you know, 
he exists in this in this world. Um, but it should be what I'm really super intrigued for is how what's going to go down now. You know, like uh, at the end when he does bring Darren to Jaxor, um, you know, she says, you know, when this is all said and done, we have to discuss the power vacuum that's going to be left mm-hmm. in Krypton. And um, he's like, oh, yes, we are. And so, you know, you sort of get that confirmation that, yes, his goal was to come here and just rule Krypton earlier so that he's the one in charge later on. Well, and on some level, it's kind of smart. Like, if you can't beat Superman, beat him this way by making sure that he never actually is Superman. Because if you're ruling the planet, then he never leaves it. Right. And his and his thought process and the way he looks at Superman is that it was, you know, just sort of dumb luck that he's the one who ends up on Earth. And the only reason he's powerful is because he's on Earth and he gets, you know, the radiation from the yellow sun. Yeah, and that's not entirely wrong. It's not. No, it's absolutely not. It's, you know, it's the, it's the circumstance or, you know, and that, and that always, that, that ties into, you know, Adam, Adam very much believes that he's the one who is meant to do this. It's me. It has to be me. And so, you know, the whole idea of Superman is very much tied into that, that is Cal's destiny. Um, and, you know, Drew's thought. Adam does get to save the day at the end, finally. But, you know, Drew, Drew's thought process is sort of like, well, that could be anyone. Whereas there are other characters like Adam who believe, like, no, this is, this is, this is specific for me. You know, he believes that Kal-El is meant to be Superman. Not that, you know, anybody on Krypton could be Superman. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, if you look at it from sort of, like, the Earth perspective, we really lucked out that a really nice, moral, kind person ended up accidentally on our planet with superpowers because if a different person had been in that pod a very different outcome likely would have happened right so i i I like that they've that they've sort of shared that and i like that it's jaina and like i said i like that she you know she is now at this point with seg where i think she trusts him enough and she respects him enough that she goes to him with it and i'm super intrigued to see how this goes down because i definitely could see a situation where you know Lyda maybe doesn't want to hear it or, you know, or he, he tries to divide them in some way. Um, and you know, maybe that's where the, maybe that's where the break comes. Maybe that's how Seg ends up with Nyssa. Because I feel like Lyda does have a certain amount of affection is probably a strong word for Drew, but she definitely feels connected in some way. I even just from the fact that she knows that that's, that that's her son, even if she doesn't right. know him as a person. Like, she clearly, I mean, she clearly, like, believes that. Right. I don't know. That is an interesting angle that I hadn't really considered. Like, who is she going to, who is she going to pick here? Like, her, her mom or her kid to listen to. Right. And we, and, you know, we might not even, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the next two episodes. We might not even get to that. I'm sure we will, but, you know, it, see, it appears that, like, sort of right now what's happening is this, you know, this brainiac situation and... You know, like other stuff happening. Right. And then now they seem to think that they've, they've, you know, they've caught a W here. You know, they've they've caught a win. They think that they've killed the creature. Uh, And, you know. Never watched horror movies. No (laughs) body, no confirmation. Well, and I like that, you know, you know, Drew says that to Jack Sir, like, no, listen, we've got to get a body. I need to make sure, you know, that just because he fell off into the deep abyss doesn't mean he's dead. And yeah, plus, you know what I think that they don't understand, too, necessarily, is that 
I'm sure they know this on like a sort of theoretical level, but like clearly I don't think they think of it on sort of like a visceral level yet. Like that isn't Brainiac. Right. Like that's a, that's a, a minion. Right. So like actual Brainiac is still out there and coming. Yeah. Or hovering in the atmosphere in his skull ship. I love the skull ship. So, um, so monstrous. But so now I guess, I think we've talked about pretty much everything that went down. Right. Except, well, I guess we can talk about Oda. Right. So now we get to, we get to this. So like Adam is still chilling in Darren's office waiting I guess he's waiting for him to come back from talking to the voice. That was kind of weird, too. I didn't really understand why Adam was still there. I guess he's waiting for him to go get Seg. I don't know. Um, but yeah. creepy voice dude shows up and uh, to Ona. And, yeah, he sends her, you know, he makes her a... He definitely uh, does not look freaked out enough by his sort of, you know, holes burning through his body <laughs> kind of appearance. I mean, she definitely has this, like, oh, my God. And then he says to her, you know, like, this is just my appearance. You know, it's whatever he says to kind of calm her. She has so much faith. You know, like, she really believes this is their God. This no, that's poor, really sad when you look at it that way. Uh, this poor sweet little thing. And then he just makes her, like, a suicide bomber. Oh, I hadn't actually framed it that way in my head, but that's 1,000% what that is. Ugh. And I was, I mean, I was really shocked that they, like, blew up a child. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, my God, they just really just blew up a kid like a I, mean, I know it's like a 10 o'clock show but like this isn't a game of thrones people <laughs> <laughs> but the greatest part about that was that adam saved the day Yay! Yay! i didn't really understand how he saved the day but i was happy well i guess his little zeta beam made like a force field a cool looking like prism cool prism thing. prism looking force field to save seg and chem so at least you know now, like, when he does finally come back to them, they're going to be grateful because he saved their life. I mean, I don't think we also spend enough time talking about the other real ship of the show, which is Sagan Adam. Sagan Adam? Oh, my God. Yeah. Sagan Adam are, like, my number one ship. Like, I'm like, I need you guys to always love each other and be friends again. That's what I need. So after he shoots, after, after he uses his force field, crystal shield, transporter, however we're explaining this thing. He goes somewhere else. I have zero idea where that is. He goes somewhere or somewhen else. Oh, I don't know. And also meets an extremely... Well, I guess meet is a strong word. <laughs> in the sense of he is standing in the presence of a very creepy lady. Yes. Who looks like maybe she's like some sort of sentient being. She doesn't look like she's all there. Like maybe being controlled by Brainiac or something or like a robot i have no idea because it looked to me like he knew who she was or at least see not who she was specifically like i don't know if she's like a particular species or something like right. there was a sense of recognition there so this whole it's really did not share it's really but, funny because i feel like so first of all i feel like you're unlike the scene in the beginning of the episode that you're supposed to know who where who and where oh i tried googling it was no help um, this you are not, I don't think. I think you're supposed to, you know, Adam says at the end, what the, f <laughs> I think your, your reaction is supposed to be the same. Like what, I don't think we're supposed to know who that is. We're supposed to be like, hmm, who is this? Where is he? Is, you know, what timeline is this? What, um, and, and it's funny because I feel like I've been reading some of the comments and stuff and I feel like different people got a different read of this scene. 
And I'm not sure which one's correct because I didn't think he, he recognized her. My gut response was that he recognized either her or the place that he recognized something about this. Whether it was the place he was or her specifically, there was some sense of recognition there for me. I felt like he recognized the place he was, but was confused by it. Okay. Well, because I guess you could, you could say what if the, you know, he's like, what the fuck? Like, is it about he recognizes that he's someplace he shouldn't be? Or he's like, I know when this is, what the hell? Or just a general kind of WTF of how did this happen? Like, there's a lot of... (laughs) Right, there's a lot of, like, factor, moving pieces and factors of what exactly happens in this scene. Um... And so I, I posed a question to our, uh, on Twitter, I asked where or when is Adam at the end and also who does Adam meet at the end? It's the choices I gave for the where and when was, is he on Earth? Is he back on Ron? Ran? Is he on future Krypton? Has he time traveled? Or is he in an alternate timeline on any of those three places? Uh... <laughs> So, my head hurt. according to our voters, 46% believe he's in an alternate timeline, 32% believe he's on future Krypton, and 11% believe it's either Ran or Earth. Why I lean in the alternate timeline, because I felt like he recognized where he was, but that it didn't look right. Okay. And so, I feel like he's wherever he is, be it Earth or Krypton or Ran, that something has changed, that the timeline has changed, that them, you know, shooting the Brainiac Sentry or even just any of the events of the past two weeks have, like, maybe he, I feel like he's now gone back to whatever point in time he came from, whether it's on Krypton or Earth, and things are different. And so I think that we've now just seen an alternate timeline. All right, I did not think of that at all, and my head hurts. And I could be 100% incorrect, but... And then the who, so the who that I surmised, the four, the four choices I gave our, our uh, Twitter followers was Alana, who we hear but don't see, Aaliyah, who is their child, some random earthling, or someone else entirely. 53% of our followers think it's Alana. 29% think it's some random earthling, 12% someone else, and 6% Aaliyah. Interesting. So now if he does recognize her and I read that wrong, then it would make sense that it's Alana. But it could still be her in a different setting. Right, and that it could still be her in a different timeline or a different setting or, yeah. Or it could be some random woman in a setting that's familiar. Right, or it could be, you know, when when we come back and we see it and we see more of a wide shot of where he is, you know, he could be... be, It'll be, like, obvious where he is. Right, he could be surrounded by a bunch of people who look like that, who are staring at, you know... (laughs) Like a fembot army. Right, you know, uh, or or something, um, and it it could just, it could be no one. She's credited as woman on IMDb and in the credits, so she doesn't have a sneaky. She doesn't have a name as of yet. Um, well, I thought she looked a lot like Nissa, which was weird. I, I also thought she looked like Nissa a little bit, but then again, I also was super convinced that the reason that the voice of Rao would never take his mask off was because it was someone that we would know and that turned out to be like super not true right. so i because my gut response is oh well they're like hiding her name because it's a name that people will know like that could be but it also could be like they know we're gonna think that like we did with the voice and that wasn't it at all so who knows right but i, I am, mean it could be it could be 
anyone. It could be none of those people that I thought. I honestly, I mean, I have a thought, but I don't, I'm, I'm not like super confident in it. You know, I feel like it's an alternate timeline, but if it's not, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm completely wrong about that. I am both intrigued by that idea and also a little confused slash sad because if Adam ends up in an alternate timeline, how will he get back to our timeline? But maybe our timeline isn't the main timeline anymore. Right. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe now after everything they've done, the timeline has changed because I, um, there's some, and like the one he left is not the real timeline anymore. Maybe he's back in the real timeline. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. I know it's timey-wimey stuff is really complicated to discuss. Um, Doctor Who was bad. (coughs) They read, they released, you know, promo images for the next episode. And one of them is of Seg sitting in, uh, the fortress and you can see the cape in the background and the cape is almost gone. So that was, that was another thing that made me sort of think that perhaps Adam is now in a, in a future different, a timeline that is, that is different has been altered, but he still should have time to fix it. If the cape isn't gone. My head hurts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like there's so many ways that could go. And if anything, I've learned from this show that me trying to guess what is going, what it is going is, to do next is extremely futile. Yes. Because I am generally always wrong. Right. That's why I, when I'm like, if, if it ends up being what I say it is, I'm going to be like, woohoo, I guess something because I've guessed nothing. So <laughs> Pretty much like zero thing. Which is great. I love that. I love that like the show is able to surprise me a lot of times when I watch TV shows. I figure stuff out before it happens and then you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of where I thought that was going. So whenever I'm genuinely surprised, I'm always excited. And this show has managed to do that like almost every week. So really sad. There are only like two episodes left. I'm super sad about it. This season has gone so quickly. I know. I said to someone the other day, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself when this is over. It's like the the one thing I look forward to. Where is my renewal? Come on. Throw us a bone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention I, I alluded to this earlier, so I don't want to leave it as a, uh, you know, a dangling thread. Um, one of the reasons that I'm leaning towards Dev being Drew's father is because, now, I have a little trouble with this theory. Because if they haven't made the the DNA embryo yet, like if the DNA embryo is already made, then this doesn't really matter and doesn't apply. But let's say, for example, they haven't made the DNA embryo yet. Because Dev was infected with the Brainiac thing, I feel like somewhere in his mind, he has that, like, creepy Brainiac thing. And so that could be what makes Drew, like, a little insane. Actually, that's not entirely crazy. But again, it comes back to me not understanding how this stupid Genesis chamber works. Right. And not knowing whether or not this embryo has already been pre-created or not, or I don't really understand how all that works but yeah my thought process was like oh if Kem actually ends up being his dad I mean Kem oh my god did I say Kem before I oh. meant Dev I might have said Kem <laughs> oh my god if clearly Kem I'm talking about Kem Dev is secret that would be amazing <laughs> that would be hilarious clearly I'm talking about Dev so Dev if Dev yeah so I feel like yeah in whatever way that this child is produced I feel like it makes sense that there's some sort of leftover like you know, his brain's been a little jumbled by the Brainiac thing. And so there would be some of that kind of leftover in him. Or at I'm, least it would have, like... Or it could just be that the... 
again, it comes back to like, when does the embryo situation occur? Because I mean, if, if Brainiac has been tapping into the, <laughs> into the matrix, if you will, for however long he's been doing that, wouldn't, we would think that would probably affect them in some way. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But then that would affect the Corvex or future Jor-El, Zor-El, whatever that little embryo is. If we are to believe that that little embryo is Jor or Zor. I mean, you would think it has to be one of them. But then again, maybe not. I I need to know if Supergirl exists in this timeline as well. Or if we're just leaving that section of the family out. I don't know. (laughs) I hope so. Because I want to believe everyone exists in this timeline. You know, there's also the thing of like, I don't fully believe what Drew says about his father. So... Like, I'm not necessarily sure I, I believe that he doesn't know who it is. Yeah, me too. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't necessarily seem like the most truthful of dudes all the time. Right. Well, now that we sort of know his true motives, even though he seemed like he was super truthful in the beginning, now you're sort of questioning everything he's said so far. Well, yeah, if the information wouldn't benefit him in some way, why wouldn't he just say he didn't know it? Or unless he's holding it back for some later reveal, also possible. Right. Ah. <sighs> So Only good. Two more episodes. Only two more episodes. Our our promo showed some stuff going down next week. I think we're going to be back at that Doomsday Vault. You know what's really funny is that in the midst of all this other crap that's been going on, I kind of forgot about the Doomsday Vault. It's sort of <laughs> it's sort of just like oh, there's all this other stuff to deal with. I kind of it slipped my mind that that was still a thing that was you know a pressing issue. But hey, guess what? It is. It is. So we have, um, we do have two emails this week. One of them is from Michael Bennett. He sent us a map of Krypton. Thank you, Michael. No. Yes. Oh my gosh. I need to look at that immediately. So basically my, it looks, it my looks like. My internet has gone down, so I can't look at it right now and squee about it as I clearly need to, but thank you. Thank you. Thank oh, here's you. Here's Kandor. Okay. So apparently, oh, there's something called Scarlet Jungle Firefalls. That's very interesting. Okay, Kryptonopolis is fairly close to Kandor. Kryptonopolis is still the worst. As is Fort Roz. Argo City, which I think is where Kara is from, right? I feel like that's where Kara's family lives. I might be wrong about that. Feel free to correct me, comic book listeners. That's like on the other side. So essentially it looks like this is just like a continent. Like there are two little two little continents on this on this planet. On this, you know, ice wasteland. Yes. So, yeah. Thank you, Michael, for sending us a map. We also have another one, again, from uh, Jacques Massard. He says, hey, I'm back again. Great job with the podcast. Hope this isn't too long. I love the idea of the polyamorous Krypton. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I wish and hope... Make it happen. Make it happen. He says, I wish and hope that Dev M lives at least till next season so we can find out that Seg and him were BFFs as kids and promised with Leida that they would bind to each other. <laughs> I mean, it's all happening. He says, also don't... Oh, this is where I got this information from. Also, don't worry if we leave Kandor. We don't have to go to Kryptonopolis. We could go to Argo City, which is the home of Supergirl. So then he has predictions. He says, uh, Jaina decides to unite all of Krypton. Two different people have talked to Jaina about a better future with a united Krypton, Darren and General Zod. Darren admits that it is for himself, but says it would be helpful for everyone. Zod tells her that he wants to not just save Kandor, but all of Krypton. I think she decides the best way to save Kandor is to unite Krypton. 
Also, Jaina is introduced to quote-unquote General Zod. This is a rank that right now does not seem to exist on Krypton. Jaina is a Primus, not a General. I think she creates a new rank that is the head of all the military on Krypton, the rank that her grandson will one day take. Ooh, I like that idea. That makes sense that there is no, yeah, that like she's Primus Zod. And I feel like that part of that was done just in terms of like not to confuse the audience because when you hear General Zod, you think of... Oh, yeah, true. But I do like the idea that, like, the next, you know, government of Krypton is, like, the entire world and not just these individual cities. So I like that idea. Uh, his number two is Seg Saves Kandor for now. He said, I've already said before, I think Brainiac's storyline continues next season. I'm thinking that next season Seg Saves Kandor for now, but it still ends up taken in the future. Why? He says, A, Supergirl in other media is a young girl when Brainiac takes Kandor. And her father isn't even born yet. Uh, he says, Kandor in the comics is called the first capital of Krypton, and right now it's just one of the city-states. I think when Jaina and Seg unites Krypton in the future, it becomes the capital. He has another theory that Adam will kidnap Seg off of the planet. He says, Adam wants to save Superman. Best way to do that is to save Seg, which he does in this episode. Maybe Adam sends him to the Phantom Zone, or he takes Seg to Earth or Ran, a planet very important to Adam's story. Um, he says Corvex is Jor-El. After Seg saves Kandor, the House of El returns and Corvex is renamed Jor-El. The fact that he would have been a good lawmaker is a reference to the 1978 Superman movie where Jor-El is the prosecutor who presents the case against General Zod. Oh, I like that. Um, he also gives us a link to the language of Krypton that was created for the Man of Steel movie. Um, there's also some guides and maps from the comics of Krypton. I need these maps. This is a very... I don't know. Lots of information. This is great. Um, and he talks about some of the stuff that's pulled. Um, he says, in the comics, Supergirl's father, Zor-El, is from the Artist Guild, and Supergirl's mother, Allura, is from the Science Guild. I wonder if that will be the same for this show. And then he talks about some of the Kryptonian goddesses and gods. Hope these were interesting. Yes, Jack. Yes, thank you very much, Jack. I enjoyed that email. I like all of your theories. I like the idea that Adam takes Seg off planet at some point. I feel like the showrunners have hinted that Seg will at some point go to Earth. Um, so I like that that idea of him at some point uh, leaving Krypton with Adam. Yeah, I like the idea that maybe there's a couple of, like, battles for Kandor or something. Because, like I was saying earlier, I just don't understand, like, the timing of all of this. Like, taking Kandor must just take, like, a very long time. Or something. I mean, I imagine removing a city from it, from the ground, is not a, you know, like a 30-second process. So, Yeah. <laughs> Well, who knows? This dude is like a god. This is true. (laughs) So. This is true. Who knows? So, yeah, we're only two episodes uh, left. I am going away next week, so we're going to get this podcast to you somehow. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're dedicated. It might be a little late, so just FYI. Um, I think that is all. Uh, Anything else to add? (sighs) I just don't even know. Like, I feel like there's so much stuff cover in just two more episodes for like the fifth time during this podcast please sci-fi can you just tell us that we get season two i would sleep better at night just saying i need season two need it it has to happen i have a feeling this season ends on a cliffhanger too so yeah you totally if it ends on a cliffhanger and i don't get a season two oh god i can't the the angry tweets angry tweets (laughs) angry angry tweets all right, so Lazy, tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs. Oh, on the interwebs, I am Lacey MB, L-A-C-Y-M-B, pretty much everywhere, but mostly on Twitter where I like to yell about many, many things. Um, 
I am covering The Flash this season at Telltale TV. I'm writing about Killing Eve at Culturist, and I'm doing a lot of period drama stuff at televisions, but that's probably not in the Venn diagram of this audience, so it's okay. <laughs> but mostly, you know, come yell with me about things on Twitter. There'll be gifts. Nice. You can find me on uh, Twitter at MimiC1019. That's M-I-M-I-C-1019. I also uh, will be yelling about various things. You can also find me on another podcast, my, my podcast, Hashtag TV Geek. If you wanted to follow that on Twitter, it's H-A-S-H-T-A-G-T-V-Geek. For some reason, I can never spell the word hashtag. When I do this on my podcast either, I always have to like sit there and be like, how do you spell this again? But yes, over there I talk about various things, the CW shows, movies, all kinds of good stuff. Um, and I'm also writing recaps of Krypton and Riverdale, as well as other things that I yell about over on TV Source Magazine. You can visit uh, kryptonpodcast.com for all the latest news, photos, trailers, whatnot about Krypton. Uh, and find all of the latest episodes of this podcast. You can follow this podcast on social media at Krypton Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have questions, thoughts, or whatever that you would like to share with us, more Venn diagrams, maps, drawings, artwork, whatever it may be, you can reach us at kryptonpodcast at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to Krypton Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on iTunes, if you could hit us up with some five-star reviews, that would be amazing. It's a great way to support the podcast. And as we've, we've said, you know, Lacey and I took this over. There were some other hosts before us. So if, you know, we could get some reviews that are all about us, we would love it and appreciate that. And you can follow the, so entire, the entire DC TV podcast network uh, featuring podcasts for every DC TV show at dctvpodcast.com. You can follow the network on social media at dctvpodcasts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And last but not least, you can subscribe to our mega feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, and Google Play. That'll be all for now. We will see you next week. Bye. Not so much. Bye.